episode 85, Blood on the Program. I'm Morgan Shortle, and you're listening to the July 15th, 2009 podcast from the Kansas Historical Society. In this podcast, museum staff reveal the story behind the story about artifacts featured on the Cool Things section of our website, kshs.org. The assassination of President Abraham Lincoln on April 14, 1865, shocked the nation. Relics and mementos associated with the assassination quickly became collector's items. Join curator Blair Tara and me as we examine a fragment of a Ford's theater program from that fateful night that reportedly has actual drops of Lincoln's blood on it. Is it really Lincoln's blood? And how did the program fragment wind up in Kansas? Then we dig through the trash to connect William Allen White to Shirley Manson, lead singer for the rock band Garbage. What is White's connection to the Scottish singer-actress? Was it his love of the Highlands, or did he just enjoy rocking out to alternative music? Find out when we play Six Degrees of William Allen White. But first, blood on the program. Our preachers preach of evil fates. Teachers teach that knowledge waits can lead to hundred-dollar plates. Goodness hides behind its gates. But even the president of the United States sometimes must have to stand naked. Good afternoon, Blair. Good afternoon, Merle. Oh, wait. Oh, no. <laughs> no Morgan. Morgan, yes. It's <laughs> and there's a little bit of difference there's there. There's a slight difference, yes. My powers of observation are dead dim. All right. Today, close, today we're going to look at one of the creepier items in the museum collection, a fragment of a program from Ford's Theater on the night that President Abraham Lincoln was assassinated that reportedly has drops of Lincoln's blood on it. Whoa. Can you tell us about the appearance of this fragment? Yes, it's a small triangular piece of paper that has just enough information on it to indicate that it was probably at Ford's Theater. And it has two little splotches that are more reddish-brown at this point and fading quick that purports to be blood. Um, I understand this artifact was donated by a gentleman named T.D. Bancroft. What can you tell us about him? He was a Kansan who seems to have spent a great deal of time during the Civil War in Washington. Uh, At the beginning of the war, he was a member of what was called Lane's uh, Frontier Guard, which was a bodyguard for the president, camped out in the East Room of the White House. And he also happened to be at Ford's Theater the night of the assassination. And how did Bancroft acquire the program? He was there sort of after the shooting. He's holding back the crowd. And... There's actually a couple of stories in our files on, on what happened as far as getting the program with the blood on it. The one that's attested to on the back of a card says that the program was already on the floor and the president's blood dripped on it, and he picked it up. Uh, we also have it said that he tore a corner of his program off and dipped it into the blood. Oh, lovely. And there's also one that just sort of says it splashed on the program while he was holding it as the president walked by. So take your pick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It appears that Bancroft was a little bit of an entrepreneur. Um, How did he use the program fragment to make a little coin? Well, eventually around the turn of the century, and we're talking 1900, not 2000, uh, (laughs) uh, he starts, if he has a photograph, first of all, and he sells the card. Uh, for a grand price of 50 cents, it's which is not a bad, daughter, it's not bad for that period of time. So I don't know how well he did. Uh, he was a doctor, so he was probably reasonably well off. So he was a doctor and a Secret Service? No, no he didn't have Secret Service then. He well, just happened to be there. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
So um, Bancroft must have suspected that some people might question the authenticity of the program. Uh, what did he do as sort of a preemptive strike against the naysayers? Well, that's the statement that's on the back, and it's attested to by the Kansas State Historical Society, so it must be true. It's official. Uh, both the secretary of the society and actually the attorney general of Kansas make a statement saying that they've known Bancroft and they trust his word, and this is what happened, how he got the program. And that's the where we have the one story where the drop falls on the program. It's already on the floor. Okay. And how and when did the program wind up in the museum's collection? We got it shortly after he had it photographed. It was given in 1901. So it has been here for a little while. Wow. And now everyone wants to know the big question, is it really Lincoln's blood? And have we ever considered doing a DNA test? Well, we're too cheap to do a DNA I mean, we don't have any money to do a DNA test. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, everybody wants to know if we've done a DNA test. And we're, we've never have really gotten any kind of official answer as to what we could do uh, from somebody who would be knowledgeable enough. We think getting the sample may be degraded enough by now that it really wouldn't reveal anything. Uh, might be a small problem finding a Lincoln descendant because there are none of his direct descendants left. We'd have to get a someone on a collateral line. And they're out there, but whether they'd be willing. The other problem is if we were doing the testing is we might wind up destroying the fragment uh, as well. Well, we wouldn't want to do that. No. <laughs> so for the <laughs> sake of argument, let's say it's not Lincoln's blood. What could those stains be? Heinz ketchup. That would be very easy. You could probably see that the program was far there on the floor, and sometime during intermission, somebody went out and got a burger and fries. The concession <laughs> standing was pretty sloppy. It may have even been John Wilkes Booth. You <laughs> <laughs> burger and fries. Burger and fries. At the yes. Ford's Theater. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Blair. She cries. another round of Six Degrees of Bully Mellon White. Joining me today is Assistant Registrar Nikayla Zimmerman. Hello. And Museum Director Bob Keckeisen. Hi. Today we connect Bully Mellon White to Shirley Manson, lead, lead singer for the alternative rock band Garbage. Bob, would you give us some background on this eclectic singer? Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I have to admit, I had to look this up. I'm uh, not, a, not a big Garbage fan. Um, Oh, you should the band be. Uh, yes, I know Nikayla is. So, so, uh, so we, we have our uh, garbage clips. So we have Nikayla to thank for that. But um, from my extensive research on this, I found out that uh, Manson was born in 1966 in Edinburgh, Scotland, and her mother had been a big big band singer. So you know maybe that's where her singing talent and her interest in singing comes from. But. Uh, by most reports, she was something of a wild child, um, cutting school, doing drugs. That's shop. not hard to believe. Yeah, you know, all the stuff that you know makes us proud as parents or our kids. Uh, she began singing with some local bands in the Edinburgh club scene, and then began singing backup vocals for a pretty well-known Scottish band with the interesting name of Goodbye, Mr. Mackenzie. I think they're also known as the Mackenzies. That one of your favorites awesome. too? Or? Never heard no. of them okay. before. <laughs> I'll look them up though. Okay. Well, in 1993, she went solo and uh, performed under the name Angelfish. And it's while she was performing um, in this iteration of her career that one of her videos came to the attention of a Madison, Wisconsin-based alternative rock band 
called Garbage. And they invited her to record an album with them, and she eventually ended up recording uh, several albums with them, and essentially toured nationally with them and internationally and became their front person. And then while the band was on uh, hiatus, she uh, tried out her acting chops <laughs> and uh, was uh, playing a liquid metal T-1001 Terminator. On, whatever that uh, is. Whatever that is, right. <laughs> but this is on the second season of the TV series Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. So there you got it. Scottish singer-actress with a Wisconsin bass band and an American TV actress. So. You know, for people who think they don't know them, I bet if they've seen... Um, the World is Not Enough, the James Bond film, mm -hmm. they did the song for The World is Not Enough. Ah, okay. So, yeah. All right. Well, see, garbage. I do know garbage. There thing. you go. <laughs> garbage, so. But anyway, we need to connect her to William Allen White. Great. Thanks, Bob. And you have a solution, Nikayla. I do. And this is a bizarre solution, but no. bear with me. I know. Crazy that William Allen White would have a bizarre solution. Okay. So as Bob mentioned, um, in addition to being the lead singer for Garbage and doing some solo work, Shirley Manson was cast as Catherine Weaver, as we mentioned, a liquid metal T-whatever Terminator <laughs> in the Sarah Connor, Connor Chronicles. And Manson has said of that role that her influences or her inspirations for the character were Glenn Close and Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> Seems a little odd. Okay. Right? Okay, so in 1996, Glenn Close played the character Cruella DeVille in the live-action version of the 101 Dalmatians, oh, which was a terrifying performance. <laughs> uh, Cruella's lavish lifestyle is said to have been based on the real-life actress and lush Tallulah Bankhead. And for those of us who are familiar with the Algonquin Roundtable that we've mentioned before, Bankhead began acting age 15 and was known for her wild 1920s lifestyle and was part of the Algonquin Roundtable, um, which was a group of New York City writers and actors who met every day for lunch at the Algonquin Hotel. And as we know, William Allen White was friends with and worked with several members of the group, including Franklin Pierce Adams, who was a columnist, and Haywood Brown, who was also a columnist. So, there you go. There you go. Via Cruella DeVille. Cruella DeVille. <laughs> nice. Sweet. She's one of my favorites. <laughs> Bob, would you like to issue the next challenge for the sure. next episode? Well, we hope this one's as challenging as, as Shirley Manson. Next time, we want you to connect William Allen White to everyone's favorite honey-loving teddy bear, Winnie the Pooh. Created by English author A.A. A. Milne in the 1920s, Winnie the Pooh has delighted generations of children through his adventures in books, radio programs, cartoons, TV series, and movies. So, William Allen White to Winnie the Pooh. All right. So, if you think you can connect William Allen White to a plump bear with penchant for getting his head stuck in a honey pot, just <laughs> send your solution to podcasts at kshs.org. That is podcasts with an S. Our preachers preach of evil fates Teachers teach that knowledge waits Can lead to hundred dollar plates Goodness hides behind its gates But even the president of the United States Sometimes must have to stand naked That concludes episode 85, Blood on the Program To see close-ups of the program fragment Go to our website, kshs.org And click on podcasts Our weekly photo caption contest Is becoming the hottest thing on Facebook Want the latest cool news and fun stuff from us? Just search Facebook for Kansas Historical Society and become our friend. Come back in two weeks when collection specialist Donna Ray Pearson examines a banner used to commemorate one of the first successful sit-ins of the civil rights era. This Wichita sit-in predates the much more famous lunch counter protest in Greensboro, North Carolina. So why is this important chapter in our state's history so little known? Even among historians? Join us in two weeks to find out. 
This podcast has been a production of the Kansas Historical Society. Real people, real stories. You lose yourself, you reappear. You suddenly find you got nothing to fear. Alone you stand with nobody near. When a trembling distant voice unclear startles your sleeping ears to hear that somebody thinks they really found you.